Fucking nice You're listening to episode 82 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. At long last, I've gotten all my pals to move to the brotherly loved city of Philadelphia. Boys, welcome to my town. At long last, maybe I'll finally get Phil to talk into his goddamn microphone. But something's amiss. Where's Kale? We lost him at the convention, didn't we? Yeah. Let's leave him there. I wish that were true. Uh, <laughs> that we left him at the convention? Yeah, because that would be really funny. You guys ever see Home Alone? Imagine Kale alone in Wizard World Philly after dark. <laughs> He's just like getting into like Home Alone situations with the security guards of like the convention center. He's hiding under a table. Listen, listen, Wizard World After Hours is serious business. It is not to be trifled with. He needs to set up booby traps like having matchbox cars on the ground for burglars to trip over. See, when you said Wizard World After Hours, my mind immediately went to that weird pajama party that we got invited to and I was like... Marco's like, yes. Yes, we were invited to a pajama party. That's not what I meant when you said yes. That's what I meant. <laughs> yes, that, that is correct. That is yes. I, I can confirm. I'm Marco. <laughs> no one invited me to a slumber party. Uh, I'm bummed about that. And uh, these guys didn't even tell me that there was a slumber party. So I showed you the flyer. This is the oh, slumber that party. Bullshit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. I don't care. Uh, so... As you can see, we're scriptless, as we always are, which, you know, it's evident by the level of uh, the quality of the humor on this television show, or television show, <laughs> <laughs> on, this, on this podcast, I should say. You peel the curtain uh, back and it's just drywall uh, like peeling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. We're not on television yet. Yet. Uh, yet, exactly. Remember, kids, shoot for dead mediums. Hey man, there's a lot of money in that dead medium. Somebody want if you want to give me a television show, I'm down. I don't know about this guy right here, but you can always sign me up for TV. We're leaving him behind at the convention with Kale next time. Whatever, you could probably use the backup. <laughs> True, he's an old fucking man. So, uh, if you want me for your uh, television show, there are many ways you can get me. I mean, it, it's plugging the pals too, but I'll look at it and then you know we can. <laughs> Uh, so we're, I'm on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I'm also we we're also on SoundCloud. Uh, you can get us at thecomicspals at gmail dot com. Uh, of course, you can write to us, or you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail dot com. Uh, you can get us on social media also at thecomicspals wherever your social media is sold. And last but certainly not least, we're on YouTube where we've got a ton of stuff out and coming out. Uh, from Wizard World Philly. We've been here for a few days. We've got tons of footage for you guys. Lots of funny stuff. Uh, we've got some good interviews too. So Hours and hours of Phil's ass from following him around all day. <laughs> he probably does have a lot of footage of my ass. Why is it that if you're following Phil around, that automatically means you have footage of his ass? What, what, else, do you, what else do you look at? Have you seen the man? <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. He hasn't asked for a camera. My ass was made for camera. He has an ass made for radio. <laughs> I don't know. I have, here's a story. When I was in high school, I know this is derailing the show. What the fuck is happening right listen, now? Did I just have listen, a stroke? Shut up. When I was in high school, uh, a teacher did like a full spin on me and said I had no ass. 
That is inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but that's all I wanted to say. Sean, you need to reel these things in, please. You're right, except for the part where I really like that story. (laughs) Uh, So, as we mentioned, we are in uh, Philly for Wizard World. Live from our Airbnb. That's right. Uh, As Loud underscore Pete just uh, made very clear, uh, we are live from our Airbnb. And uh, I don't really want to do this for too long, but let's just quickly share, you know, what this weekend's been like and, you know, uh, the fun that we've been having. Just real quick. Um, it's been a good time. Uh, Wizard World Philly is a show that we've got a lot of legacy with. Um, it's where we definitely kind of like the pals uh, were formed in, in Wizard World's past. Um, this year's been a little light. Uh, the show's definitely a lot smaller this year, and um, there aren't quite as many guests as you know we'd normally like to interview. So we definitely have taken that opportunity to like do some more fun stuff, which has been cool. We've been just hanging out, kind of starting the days a little bit later, a little bit more low key. So as a convention, it's definitely been like a little bit slow, but in terms of just like getting together and making some content, it's been a great time. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah it's been fun. I think that's the most important part. Like it's just we've just been hanging out. Hmm. Yeah, it's been a really good time for us, actually. Uh, we only get to get together as a full group a few times a year. And uh, this weekend, honestly, thanks for producing this, Pete. Uh, this weekend has been special in the fact that um, it was supposed to rain all weekend, but it's been nice out for most of this weekend. And we can't undermine that enough. And with that all said, this weekend goes out to Young King Dave. Out here in Amish. R.I.P. R.I.P. And we won't address that anymore. Uh, so I do want to say that it's been a fun weekend. Absolutely. Uh, an absolute blast. I always love getting together with these guys. We are missing a pal, which sucks. Uh, congratulations, Kale. We love you. Uh, and Jess, too. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're doing? You're spinning on their engagement? No! They're ma- celebration. They're married. Oh, that's how you celebrate marriage? Okay. Um... And, uh, yeah, so, like I said, you're going to see tons of content from Wizard World uh, coming from us. Now, uh, as I mentioned before, there are many ways that you can get to us and hit our line. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Sliding into our DMs. Right. And so, Harris, uh, he did uh, slide into our DMs to talk a little bit about episode 80 of the Comic Spells. Cool. Uh, so Harris writes in and says, I have quite a few comments and random questions over two episodes from episode 80. The DC streaming service, what can I say? There are too many services out and more coming. That being said, the only thing which would attract me to pay for this series would be if they bring back Constantine. My man, that's right. That's right. Lots of Constantine, Constantine fans this weekend. Uh, unless they're willing Radio to... Show. You done? Uh, unless they're willing to dump a good amount of money to produce a new series on the level of Daredevil, I can't see many paying for it. However, if they exclusively nope. produce a lot of animated series like uh, Young Justice and lay off on having Batman-centered projects, uh-huh. then it may just have a slim chance. This is why we read his emails. <laughs> he has correct opinions. Harris is uh, he's 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 a good good contributor here. So that takes us into a random question of the week. Number one. With the success of Infinity War, what major storyline do you want to see next on the big screen? My pick would be Secret War. I believe it can be accomplished in the near future. Uh, so to address your pick, cool. Uh, Secret War. I'm assuming you're talking about Secret Wars, the original. 
uh, story arc and not the Jonathan Hickman one and definitely not Secret War uh, by Bendis. I don't think you I don't think you want that on screen. Um, the original Secret Wars has a very, very special place in my heart. We talked about it way back uh, on the show, like episode one. Um, it's a great comic. And are you guys okay over there? I'm trying to get these kids to just settle down while you do your fucking pick. Yikes. Uh, so, yeah. Do I think that Secret Wars would work on screen? Yes. Do I think we're even going to see that in the next five years? No. Uh, so my pick instead uh, would be uh, Siege. Mm-hmm. I would really love to see Siege. That would be very involved, and it probably wouldn't happen. Um, but... Uh, that like the Norman Osborn stuff that takes place where he kind of becomes the leader of shield and they rename it hammer and Asgard um, kind of gets invaded by Norman and the dark Avengers. Um, I really love that stuff. I know that that's kind of a lot of people fell off Marvel around that time frame, uh, But that was like, that's where it kind of plateaued and everything else from there was downhill pretty much in my eyes. So I would love to see that. It's not a practical pick, but whatever. If you want me to give a practical pick, Kree Scroll War. But I don't have to say anything about that. So yeah, Siege is my real pick. Cool. Uh, for me, I would say it's either Secret War or the Kree Scroll War. Kree Scroll War. Um, those are like that era of Marvel events is like that's where I live. Like that's my Marvel. And um, out of any like of the major storylines and events that we haven't seen play out, those are the ones that I'm probably the most uh nostalgically invested in so like i think like getting to see um you know peter put on the black suit or something like that for the first time would be a really cool moment um getting to see just getting to see scrolls in general in the mcu is something i'm really excited for spider-man 3 where peter put on that black suit you already got that cinematic moment so anyway those those are probably my my two biggest picks too um which is not super interesting to add to the conversation but that's where my heart is um, what's the one? Wait, 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 wait. What's 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 the one? Um, where it's like a war planet. Everybody, everybody, um, lands on this one big secret war. That's secret war. Oh shit! Well, that is secret war. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. The the whole planet thing. Yeah, secret wars. Or oh. maybe you're thinking of um, well, like where they get forced to fight. Yeah, that's secret wars. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Bud. Isn't there another one? Maybe you're thinking of the uh, Superman story where uh, he's on uh, War World. Oh, that's what I was thinking of then. Okay. But that's not it. Right. Does that have to be Marvel? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, he just says, what major storyline would you want to see on the big screen? Oh, okay. That one. Yes. Great. You don't even know what it's called. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Don't grill him any further. He perfectly knows well what it's called. Okay. All right. I have one for both companies, actually. So uh, my ideal Marvel event I'd love to see adapted in a, in a cinematic way would definitely be Annihilation. Yeah. That is the illest shit. Uh, and the grandiose with characters like Galactus and Thanos and uh, Annihilus tearing through like two thirds of the galaxy and shit, uh, forcing eventually for the Guardians of the Galaxy to be formed. Not that that would happen in MCU necessarily, but like it's a it, it has grandeur, grandeur. Uh, as for DC, they would have to like be able to get their films moving, but I would love to see the Sinestro Corps War. Mm. Uh, and of course, eventually, like Blackest Night or something. But the see the Sinestro Corps War would be really good. That's a story that also has like a large uh, scope that really focuses on like Hal Jordan and Sinestro specifically. 
And I've always thought that. I, I think in general, Jeff Johns writes with films in mind. That's kind of his thing. His background is in like movies anyway. Um, he interned with uh, Richard Donner when he was like a teenager and shit. That's like his background. I think it lends itself to um, a cinematic adaption. Wait, cool. I, I I changed my mind. I, I do read superhero comics. Okay, so Justice League Dark, the Forever Evil event. Okay. You want Forever Evil? Yes, dude, dude. I want Forever Evil too. Yes, that one. Oh that one. my goodness, that one. I choose that one. That would be fantastic. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, I read super comics. I read comics. I read comics, guys. Don't get it wrong. Sort of. So, thank you, Harris, for writing in. Uh, the other part of your uh, email that we didn't address was the streaming service, and I think you know it'd be easy enough to just say we agree. And yeah. Yeah. Thanks for writing in. Yeah, thank you. We we always enjoy it when you write in. You did bring up the streaming service, and that gives me an opportunity to say that uh, they did announce, DC did, that on the streaming service, we will be getting a Doom Patrol series. Uh, So that we're not in the news right now, but you know, we're talking about the streaming service. Might as well bring it up. Uh, Any thoughts on that? It's not, you know, a huge thing. It's not like, you know, groundbreaking, but what do you guys think? I love doom patrol i think it's out there the way grant morrison talks about it is like if the justice league are out there to fight the world's biggest threats uh the doom patrol are here to fight the world's strangest threats and i think that given the opportunity something with the doom patrol would really really lend itself to a visual medium like on television uh but the thing is, you can't restrain it. You have to let it go where it naturally wants to go. You have to let it be as weird as it wants to be. You have to let it be surreal. Dada, borrow from that Jan Svankmeyer stuff. Um, let it be what it is. And if you do it that way, it'd be awesome. It'd be like some Black Mirror shit or something. It'll ha- yeah, it'd have to be to the level of like like a Legion or something with that kind of like actual attention to what you're trying to provide um, to the show. And to actually like portray the story in that kind of a way. Cause I, I definitely, I agree. Like Doom Patrol is a, a series that lends itself to television. Yeah. And to being out there and to being weird, to being one of those things that draws people into something to, to it, it'll be like one of those, like, like slumber uh, the sleeper hits, like, like, hit, like, like yeah. a stranger hit, like a stranger things where like, you know, it came out, people saw it and were like, Oh, oh holy shit. Where did this come from? Yeah. Doom Patrol seems like a good fit for the slate of, of products that they're giving us on this streaming service, seemingly, right? Like, I think, um, aside from Teen Titans, which is, like, a pretty safe bet, everything else that they've announced has been from the more kind of obscure corners of the DC universe. We're getting Swamp Thing. You know, they're bringing back Constantine. Like, um, Doom Patrol seems like a good fit there. And I think if they have a good budget and the right creative teams behind these properties, I think they will do a lot better on a streaming service where they have a little bit more creative freedom um, and a little bit more ability to just be weird. So we'll have to see how it shakes out, you know, like until we really know the quality of what those series are going to look like, it's hard for me to really comment on any one property and how it's going to translate. But um, I think it makes sense. And with with this announcement, it, it sort of feels like a reflection of what they've done with like Young Animal, where they sort of made that come pop out and be weird and let it go to those places. And I mean, it, it, it seems like almost like a testing ground of like, hey, people are receptive to this. What if we 
did this next maybe mm-hmm. like, i don't know if there's any connective tissue there but i'm it, it's the thought it's a thought i haven't read doom patrol i know that's a sin uh it's just crazy because you're such a grand guy yeah i know i'll get around to it eventually um but i definitely think that this is cool because it's not a property that you know people are super familiar with even me i I, you know i've seen it but i haven't read it so that's something truly kind of out there that they can offer us uh and i really i love the idea of that so thanks harris uh Again, if you want to get to us, you can do so at thecomicspals at gmail.com, which is what Harris chose to do in this particular instance. Uh, so thanks a lot, man. So we're going to move into our pals polls. Uh, so from Pete and Marco, we've got Snot Girl Volume 2. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, Marco and I really love Snot Girl. We've talked about it a lot on this show. Um, so much, in fact, that we have a book club on it we, coming out. Very soon. Very, very soon. Uh, what is it? Next. 26th, yeah. Next, next week? So yeah, it's in a week or two. Um, yeah. So go check that out. We read the first two volumes of Snot Girl, so you're, uh, now you'll have the chance to pick them up and read along as well, and you can hear uh, the out. thoughts from the group. Comes out the 25th. Okay. Yeah. Um, hot takes. So yeah, it's a fantastic book. Uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, uh, creator of Scott Pilgrim, you might know him. Uh, Leslie Hung on art. Um, great little book that we love quite a bit. So uh, hopefully you'll be able to give it a shot. Definitely do. Cool. So from Phil, we've got The Wild Storm, Volume 2. <clears throat> so I talked about this a, br- uh, a bit last week, actually, because Issue 13 came out. This is the collection of the next six issues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, Issues 7 through 12. Uh, this is where it really starts to pick up. A lot of the first half is uh, uh, kind of uh, trying to familiarize perhaps an unfamiliar new audience to what Wildstorm is. Um, this gives you a really strong sense of characters. And uh, like I said last week, this is this book kind of feels like an HBO kind of thing. Uh, Warren Ellis has played with the Wildstorm universe and characters a lot uh, throughout the 90s and 2000s. Uh, this is him returning to it and trying to tell it to a new audience. And uh, I really like the creative output here. Uh, Warren Ellis is a really, really capable author. Uh, I think this is a book that everyone should check out. And uh, I think it's supposed to go 30-something issues till it's done. Uh, so, yeah, give it, give it a look. Give it a buy. Don't pirate it because Sean hates pirates. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and for me, I chose Flash 47. I really, really love what they've been doing. This is the beginning of the Flash War. So if you've been looking forward to that, um, now would be a great time to jump in. Uh, If you've been looking forward to it and not reading, but if you have been reading, then this is a a very exciting time. Uh, Joshua Williamson has been killing it, and this is my favorite ongoing. So uh, it's definitely worth your time if, if you liked Flash. Flash War sounds like a battle between a bunch of Cal Arts animators because, like, Flash is like an animating software. Um, so I'm just picturing a bunch of like starving college kids in California that are like in battle with one another. See, for me, like, my mind immediately went to like it was like a war over like the next Flash memory like um, platform. Flash drive. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Those are all of our jokes. <laughs> <laughs> So now that we ran out of jokes, uh, we'll go into something <laughs> serious. Uh, Margaret Kidder has passed. Very, very sad. She played Lois Lane in the original Superman movie and all the sequels. Uh, she was 69 years old. There's been so much outpouring of reaction online. 
on Twitter, all over the place, people who worked with her, people who knew her, friends, family, uh, just so much support. And, you know, she's an actress who made a movie that came out way before I was born, but that has definitely resonated with me. Uh, and I never saw her in anything else, you know. Um, but that portrayal of that character, you know, uh, just a few times in a few different movies has left a legacy and, and, and her spirit and everything else has left a legacy that people like me who were born way after have this relationship with her. That people who will be born way after I'm gone will have this relationship. And I think that's incredible and it speaks to who she was that so many people have had so many kind words to say about her. Yeah, Margot Kidder, I think she was a really phenomenal Lois Lane. Uh, like Sean, I wasn't alive yet when the 1978 Superman film came out. And uh, obviously, Kale's not here to comment, it, uh, comment on it because he was in his 30s when it came out. But <laughs> uh, Lois Lane is, a, is one of my favorite comic book characters uh, ever created. She's got a, a rich 75-year you know, 75 history. Um, she's essential to that character in that book's mythology. And Margot Kidder brought her to life in a way that maybe only Phyllis Coates or Noel Neal had before or since. The reality is there haven't been a ton of great uh, live Lois Lanes uh, uh, throughout the history of Superman media. And uh, Margot Kidder is perhaps the best. She she had some tough chapters in her life. She she suffered from severe bipolar disorder. Um, But, you know, Mark Hamill tweeted uh and posted on his instagram after she passed away saying that uh, she was one of the most uh, wonderful people that he had ever known so it's a tough it's a tough passing and at this point now uh christopher reeve and kidder have both passed away that's kind of it's rough because that 1978 superman movie is really special near and dear to my heart uh unfortunately i'm not one of those people who have a connection with margot kidder so um it is uh, unfortunate that she has passed, but I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> Try not to get too sentimental, right, <laughs> Marco the robot. Uh, I feel bad for her. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry for your loss, listener. Um, engage, yeah, engage uh, crying. Obviously, it's. Um, it, it, it's it's always hard uh, to see someone who who has resonated like this pass, um, you know, because her work uh, has touched so many people. And um, you know, I think what Sean said about her legacy is uh, is probably the best you know note to end it on of just the fact that like it's it's sad that she passed, but um, it's remarkable uh, what she did while she was alive. You know, and and she made an impact in a way that uh, only a you know a few people do, and um, many people hope to. So uh, at the very least, she, you know, I think should be able to rest easy knowing that. I have learned emotion. <laughs> I hate him. Marco, can you show some respect? No. No. All right. Take That's his, take his microphone away. Unplug him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly in, in all seriousness uh you know we're we're making light but um thank you for everything all right so uh deadly class uh we've talked about how this book 
is getting turned into a television show over at Sci-Fi with the Russo brothers helming it. And we've got our very first look. It's a so the Sci-Fi released a trailer, but it's it's a trailer, but it also has the Russos talking about it and some of the actors and the cast talking about this project. Yeah, um, I thought it looked phenomenal. What'd you guys think? Uh, it's one of those series that it's it's like it's on the list. It, I I know it's good. I hear nothing but great things about it. You're a huge fan, so like. It's just a, an image book that I haven't picked up, but that I know I need to. Um, so I see nothing but success for the show, knowing that there is such quality already outside of th- th- there's just there's just quality there as a book, and for it to be translated by these people, like by by the Russo brothers, I think it, it'll it'll be successful. Yeah, I would say I echo a lot of Marco's sentiments. Um, obviously, I'm a big image guy, and uh, Deadly Class is a book that's always been on my radar um, even before I met Sean just because it's got a lot of good buzz around it. You know, Rick Remender is obviously a big name and um, the book's had a long successful run, uh, which, you know, for an image book, like generally speaks to its quality. So it's a book I've always been interested in, but one that I've just never like quite had the excuse to like take the plunge of like, ah, do I want to catch up or whatever? I'll get to it eventually. Um, So now that like it's kind of back in the cultural conversation, uh, it's kind of renewed my interest in wanting to check it out. And um, seeing this, and like Marco said, the, the talent that is attached to it, uh, it definitely seems like something I'm interested in checking out. You know, I, I'm a big fan of the Russo's work. Um, even like, you know, since before their stuff with the MCU, I was a, a big fan of community and what they did there. Uh, so I'm excited to see what they can do with this, uh, this property that obviously has a lot of goodwill for a reason, you know? So I, I can't imagine it's going to be anything less than, than really good stuff, you know? Um. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Should be good. <laughs> Ugh! Just the genuine disgust. Yeah, I mean, what else can I say? This is something that's very important to me, Phil. <laughs> yeah. No, the trailer looks good. <laughs> I'll give you a little more than just pr- it could be good. Um, I am intrigued by it and the way the Russos talk about Remender. There's like a little bit of reverence with like the way they're talking about the source material. We're moving in this direction, that we, and we've talked about this in the past, but we're moving in a direction where we get to really play with less superhero-specific uh, uh, genre, uh, genre of the comic book uh, art form. And this, this presents this opportunity to really uh, adapt phenomenal runs like this. So I, I, I'm optimistic. Uh, so I am as well. I've been. I was an early adopter with Deadly Class. I I picked up, I I picked it up from when it started, and I haven't stopped. It's really really incredible, and I think that Rick Remender is a writer who, as good as he is, as great as he is, I don't think he even gets half of the credit he needs and deserves. Not needs. He can you know he's fine, but deserves. And it's cool to see people other than me who I also really respect. Uh, saying such good things and realizing that, wow, this is actually incredible what he's uh, created here and we want to be involved because the Russos can do whatever they want to do. They don't have to do Deadly Class, right? Yeah, well, and it's, it's, it's really cool that like this is their first project back to television too. So like you have to think like when you're some of the biggest names in TV directing, like, you know, when you're coming out of your career and moving into movies, you've done one of the most successful films of all time now, 
they can do whatever the fuck they want from here. Like this is their chance to do their passion project. And the fact that they're choosing to do deadly class with sci-fi is like really weird and interesting, but it means they must have something to say here, you know? Um, and that's exciting. Yeah. And the cast looks great. And this is a story that I definitely think is adaptable. They're going to have to do, there's going to have to be some tweaking because it's a very dark story. Uh, but we'll see how they pull it off. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so moving right along, uh, I did want to talk about Ryan Reynolds dashing all of our hopes for a potential Deadpool three. Uh, we reviewed Deadpool and, uh, you're going to hear that. Um, we're going to be jumping over into the review shortly, but, uh, Deadpool three is not going to happen according to Ryan Reynolds. Uh, so Ryan uh, has been obviously doing the interview circuit and he said the following about a Deadpool 3. For Deadpool 3, you know, it's an odd thing to say, but I don't think there will be a Deadpool 3. I think going forward, it would be an X-Force movie, which would be his team, so to speak. So uh, you guys are going to hear this a little bit later, but when we did our review, uh, I was saying that I'm really kind of not interested in Deadpool as a solo anymore, that I really want to see him as a part of X-Force and then take them in a different direction after that runs out. And so it seems like if whether or not they feel that way necessarily, that's the road that they're on. And so to me, that's a pretty positive thing because uh, you want to keep it fresh. And yeah, you could do another Deadpool movie with Cable, with Domino, but then why not just make that a team movie and not have it be Deadpool 3? And then if you don't include those characters, then when's the next time we get to see them? So I, I think this is the right move. Yeah, and I think also just the way that, and again, you you'll, you guys will hear it later, but just the way I think that they've used uh, Deadpool up until this point, I think doesn't call for anything. Uh, I, I think everybody sort of realizes that. Like, it's tried, it's true, and there isn't anywhere else to really go, and people are going to know you're forcing it at that point. And if he is that kind of a meme they're going to start making fun of the fact that he's forcing to try to do it as that hard. And then at that point, it's like, what are you doing? It's so meta. It's yeah. like, yeah, uh, I, I agree with that sentiment, Marco. I think um, I, I, I make this point later in our review that I feel like Deadpool two was like kind of destined to have a certain amount of like diminishing returns because Deadpool one is so effective because all it is, is selling you on the character. Right. It's like, if you don't know who Deadpool is, here's the, you know, the elevator pitch for him. And if you know who Deadpool is, you're going to be glad to see him faithfully realized, you know? Uh, and I feel like there's not really much else to do with him at this point, you know? Like, uh, I think it's hard for to talk more about this without getting into stuff that we're going to cover in the review that's spoilery. But I, I, I would agree with the, the overall statement that I think Deadpool does best when he has characters to bounce off of. And uh, not to say that he doesn't have a, a fitting supporting cast with who we've met throughout the Deadpool movies, but I think the fact that they have to focus on Deadpool because they are Deadpool and Deadpool 2 has not given these characters room enough to breathe. Um, and I think shifting the focus to a, a, a broader, more team-oriented movie where Deadpool is, you know, the leading man, um, but not the anchor of the entire thing uh, is great because you don't need to force in... 
emotional growth for the character or a love plot or or whatever, you can just let it be the team movie and let Deadpool shine in, in that environment with characters like Cable and Domino uh, and other people who he bounces off of well. I think Ryan Reynolds has the right idea here. I think that we don't need, as we've all said at this point, there's nowhere really to go for Deadpool as a solo character. But, you know, the real risk here is in doing an X-Force movie, an X-Factor movie, rather, uh, they got to be careful and not tread on the Academy Award-winning film Suicide Squad's feet. Oh, my God. You don't want to do what they did so well, which is create a real nitty-gritty team dynamic. All right, shut the fuck up, Phil. Let's move on. I'm going to fashion one of my glasses uh, arms into a shank so that I can stab him. I'll keep it in the old prison wallet. Uh, Here, let's move on. Okay, you're going to keep it in the prison wallet, which means you're going to put it in your ass, which means you're going to re- destroy your ass irreparably. Rebuttal, Pete. I could be good. Meanwhile, there are knives in the kitchen. You know what? Uh, so in, ad- in addition, uh, Deadpool 2 looks like it's going to make uh, $350 million huh? this weekend. Huh? Huh? Wow, that's pretty good. That's pretty good for an opening weekend. Yeah, uh, I mean, the first one made a lot of bank. Um, it's not Avengers good. I, you're one of those. Yeah, you're one of those guys that interrupts me during the news. That's cool. <laughs> uh, it, it's looking like it's going to make $150 million stateside, which is actually seems like it's a little low. Um, in fact, uh, during Valentine's Day weekend, when the first one came out, it made $152 million. Uh, so a little bit less, little little less, but we'll see because this is just a projection. So you know, it could ultimately end up being more. It, the the reality is, I don't think, regardless of how it does, it's not a reflection on the audience's re- reaction to the film necessarily. It's just that this April May block of films with Solo and the new Avengers movie, especially, it's just crowded, and audiences only have so much money to uh, to set aside for movies yeah and i think when deadpool originally came out it was obviously like it was fresh and new so that was a big deal but um it didn't have the level of competition that deadpool 2 had because i I don't remember exactly what came out around it you said 2016 so that's got to be what it was the uh 50 shades the one of 50 shades darker or whatever yeah like it, it the it wasn't avengers right and it wasn't Black Panther just came out like two months earlier. Solo's out another week. Like there's a lot of big genre blockbusters out right now. And like Deadpool 2 like has positive buzz, but it's not overwhelmingly positive of like, you gotta go fucking see it. It's, it's more Deadpool. If you like Deadpool, here's more Deadpool. And that's cool, but that's always going to be less hype than the cinematic event of the last 10 years. Like, it's not the same. It's not on the same level. And Black Panther was like a moment, you know, it was like a phenomenon in a way that uh, Deadpool just isn't and like shouldn't be or can't be, you know? So uh, we, we do have a we do have a couple more things to get through here. Uh, huge news. Uh, Kelly Thompson is going to be working with artist Stefano Caselli to bring about the West Coast Avengers. Uh, we back. Yeah. 
Uh, so it's going to be Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, uh, Clint Barton, who is also Hawkeye, except not right now, uh, Gwenpool, Fuse, uh, Quentin Quire, and America Chavez, uh, Marco and I, our favorite character. My favorite Marvel character in the past 20, 20 years. 20 years. Uh, how long has Marvel been around? Including timing? Yeah. Uh, 28? All right, well, that's my favorite character since 1928. <laughs> uh, and I can't wait to see this. <laughs> oh, Pete's upset. Oh, boy. It's embarrassing. Anyway, uh, this is a weird team, you guys. It's a fucking weird team. Look at that cover. Um, double Hawkeyes, Gwenpool, Quentin Quire, who I thought was a bad guy. The logo is really cool, though. That's yeah. a really, that's really, really cool. No, like, it's cool. I like it. I like the look of this. Um, I like they have the, that little anarchy A on their, their moped. Very cool, you guys. Very cool. Very hip. Very West Coast. Very, very punk rock. No, I'm just kidding. It looks pretty good. I'm into I want, it. I wanted to vomit after that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it fucks with it. Thank, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> So, Thompson had this to say about the book. They Thompson, all... Thompson, Artie! <laughs> Kelly Thompson. Artie! Uh, they all need and want something from being on that team together. Kate needs to help save LA, and she needs to help. she needs help to do that because villains have taken notice that there are no superheroes out there. I think that's <laughs> part of her... That's part of her that misses being on a team. She's been doing her own thing on her own, and that's cool. But she was the one who, with no powers, was like, I'm leading the Young Avengers. I'm the boss. As for Clint, he is trying to help Kate, but doesn't want to admit how much fun it is for him to be her mentor. So, and then she goes on to give reasoning for why each of these characters is in the book. Uh, Isn't it kind of weird that Hawkeye's just hanging out with all these teenagers? <laughs> uh, yeah and no. I mean, he's so connected to um, Kate. Kate. That that's kind of his his inroad, but yeah, he is that dad. That's like yeah, he's a summer camp trip. counselor. Yeah, <laughs> or it's like he's like he's like that that one parent who's like a little too friendly with, and not like in a creepy way, but of just like he's like, oh yeah, you can drink beer in, in my basement or whatever, and he comes out and like has a beer, and you're like, look, this is weird, dude. Like you're cool or whatever, but like you're forty. That mean girl's mom. Yeah, yeah, it's like Amy Poehler. She's like, oh yeah, what are we doing this weekend, girls? It's like like nothing, Clint. Like get out of here. Looking, we'll call you when we need a ride. You're looking in the mirror of Pete's self-loathing in 20 years. Damn. That was a dig. That Jeez. was a dig and I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate it. I don't, it's, it's, it's rude. Huh? <laughs> Use culture forever! <laughs> culture people uh, in the boy. 90s. So, uh, before we kick it over to the Deadpool 2 <laughs> review, uh, there's a major piece of news that we do have to address. Uh, and that is that Kevin Feige, the man himself, has said that the MCU has plans for Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Miss Marvel. Diversity? Now, in comics? There's uh. no one over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good bit. Uh, so this is obviously very groundbreaking. Kamala is the probably the most requested hero to join the MCU outside of People like Wolverine who can't, you know, and Miles Morales who presumably can't. Um, and uh, Kevin Feige had some stuff to say about it, so let's, let's hear what he had to say. Captain Marvel's shooting right now with Brie Larson. 
Miss Marvel, which is another character in the comic books, the Muslim hero who is inspired by Captain Marvel, is definitely sort of in the works. We have plans for that once we've interest once we've introduced Captain Marvel to the world. So now let's collectively pump our brakes. <laughs> Kevin Feige already collectively pumped my brakes by saying it's definitely sort of in development. It's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's that's what I wanted to address because. Uh, Feige is, you know, people are reacting to this as if there's a uh, a Miss Marvel movie coming out tomorrow. Uh, that's not the case. Well, it, duh, it takes a while. It's one, probably what, twenty twenty two, at least. <laughs> Big doink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have to get Captain Marvel first, which will be next year, and then she has to <laughs> sort of become inspiring. Right, like she can't can't just be that. Okay, Captain Marvel's here, and then a year later we get the Miss Marvel movie. There needs to be a little bit of buildup, and that makes me feel like we're not necessarily getting this right away. Uh, Marvel already has a slate of films, and Miss Marvel's not on it. Granted, there are some films we don't know about that are still slated, but uh, I'm not expecting this within the next. I personally, I'm not expecting this within the next five years. I feel weird all of a sudden. What's uh, shut up, Phil. Um, I think this is a really big move for Marvel. Um, Kamala Khan is a huge influence on a lot of people, and this is the kind of thing that Marvel really should be doing. What happened? Shut up for a second, Phil. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, Sean. I think this is a Phase Five thing. Like, I, I, I think this is like a late um, Phase Four, early Phase Five move. If you know, if if it's that soon. Right, like, will Miss Marvel come to this universe? Yes, eventually. Um, but to your point, we know at least to some degree what the next five or six movies are. You know, like, and for the ones we don't know, it's pretty easy to take some guesses. You know, like, I don't think we've gotten an official confirmation of Black Panther two. We did okay. All right, so that it's like right, like we know that we know there's Homecoming. Uh, it's Doctor Strange is the one we don't have an official two. Four, um, but I can assume that that's going to be coming, right? Guardians like three, Guardians three, we know about, right? So we we have a clear path forward for this universe for the foreseeable future, and I think for us to be, or not us, I guess us, the collective us, to be uh, taking this as um, gospel truth is naive. We haven't even seen Captain Marvel in this universe. It, it, it's gospel truth. It's just he didn't give a time frame, you know, like he didn't say. It's coming, like, definitely expect it in three years. He said, we're definitely going to possibly be doing this, you know, which is tantamount to saying soon, TM. Definitely possibly. 2026. I mean, laying out the track here is Marvel's easy part. The tricky part for them is trying to convince Sony to let them use Venom going forward after this movie does. Can we just just stop this? What does Venom have to do? I'm saying that the challenging part for Marvel Cinematic Universe and Disney isn't integrating Miss Marvel. They'll be able to do that. The challenging part is to convince Sony to let them use Venom. I want uh, Venom. I want them to use Venom to eat you. That might happen tomorrow. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) That's the high note. (laughs) Well, we're not going to address that. We're not. Whoa! We're not, not going to address that. Uh, you know what? Tweet at Cyborg Bebop and ask him what that's about. There you go. Uh, but we we will say that now that the Miss Marvel film 
has been, you know, sort of announced, definitely possibly announced. Uh, <laughs> several people have come out to say that they're interested in, in working on this. Um, Riz Ahmed, who wrote Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Um, mm. One of several writers. Yeah. Um, actually, I think, I, I think that might be wrong. I think he might have been in the movies, but he wants to write this movie. Okay. Um, he wants to write it with... Mindy Colling, who uh, says to Riz on Twitter uh, that she says the following. Riz, I am obsessed with this comic book. I've read them all. I love Kamala Khan. Um, Didn't he also say he wanted to get uh, Kumail Nanjiani or Cal Penn involved? I feel like there was one other really relevant uh, Arabic. uh, Well, I guess it wouldn't be Cal Penn then because he's Hindi. Uh, It was Kumail Nanjiani. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, I would love that. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Kamel, and uh, and I love Mindy Kaling as well. I'm not familiar with uh, with Riz, but yeah, I mean, if it's the three of them, that sounds great. Yeah, uh, I, you know, that's fine. You know, if they end up writing it, if if Mindy's a fan, I don't know what she does. Oh, you've uh, never heard of her? I've heard her name. Yeah. I think she's an actress. Yeah, she's well, in The Office. She's yeah. Like she has her own stuff. She was a stand-up, and then she became the famous Mindy. for being on The Office, and then since then, she did The Mindy Project, which yeah. was like a Fox oh, show that she, she co-wrote and co-produced and stuff, and then it began... Ocean's 8 this summer. Ocean's 8 this summer. Ocean's 8, right. She's in that this summer, and then now uh, The Mindy Project is a Hulu show, and she's like the showrunner, and you know, so she's like, arguably, I would say probably one of the most like visible... Um, like Middle Eastern people in Hollywood. Well, no disrespect to Mindy, but when you get to be my age, things get dark. I don't and like you, where he's going with this. You, you don't, you don't notice these people. So, you know, I'm sure you're very uh, impactful. And if and if you guys want to write it, and if Kevin Feige thinks that uh, you know it could be good, then maybe you'll get a job. But if it were up to me, who would I choose? I don't know. I don't think that the. I don't think that these. Are necessarily the people to do this movie uh sounds like they're all busy people i want to see some i want to see a writer who has the chops who writes that's what they do that's all they do and is going to come in and make this funny and make this relatable and make this something that more more importantly than anybody that young people are going to be able to gravitate towards that's what i want to see to me, like that's why I want those two on it. I feel like uh, Kumail and Mindy are both like really funny, and um, specifically, uh, I'm I'm a really big fan of Kumail's work. Uh, he, you know, he obviously wrote he wrote the big uh, sick last year, yeah. which was um, really good. Yeah, you know, Emmy award winning film. Now that he wrote uh, the big sick, it was a, that romantic comedy that won. Um, what did I say? An Emmy? It's an Oscar. Um, <laughs> it was basically about his uh, real life relationship with his current wife. Um and uh, yeah no it's a really good movie basically he's a really capable actor he's on Silicon Valley uh, yeah no he's great he's been in tons of stuff he's he's a, a pretty accomplished voice actor as well uh, but he's got the writing chops for sure and like his stand up is really good he's really funny um so yeah I would say I'd say Kamal is a is a great choice um for sure I I, I really do feel like those those uh those two would be would be good together cool well uh if Pete says it it's gospel so. Hopefully, they get the opportunity. We'll see how that develops. I think it's cool that Miss Marvel's coming, and that's something that we can all get behind. I will definitely be in line for that one when it drops. Definitely cool that, to think about that that's like the, one of the next hills. That's something on the horizon for us to look forward to. It's like not imminent, but still something to, you know, 
it'll be fun when we start really like hearing more about it, you know, in the same way that we were about Captain Marvel like a good four or five years ago. And we're finally here now. Definitely, possibly. We're going to cut into the uh, Deadpool review. Uh, hopefully you guys like that. Again, if you haven't seen the movie and you care about spoilers, you're not going to want to listen to this until you see it, at which point you should come back to us and check out the review because there's lots of great stuff in there for you guys. Uh, so tune in. You're listening to The Comics Pals. Uh, we are here in Philadelphia. Woo! Uh, we're here for Wizard World Philly. You're going to be seeing a ton of content coming out uh, from us for that event. Um, but tonight is the release of Deadpool. We're recording this on Thursday night. Uh, we came into Philly early, and we got to see the movie, uh, and uh, we're really excited to talk about it. Now, before we do that, uh, I do want to let you guys know really quickly where you can get us. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals all over social media. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, where we're a five-star rated podcast. You can contribute to that if you like what we do. Uh, <laughs> um, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And last but not least, we're on YouTube, where if you are watching this on YouTube, be sure to leave us a like, uh, subscribe to our channel, uh, make sure to share the video with your friends, and uh, yeah, all that good stuff. It helps us out a lot. And if you're an audio listener, go jump over to YouTube and get a view of us all together in our sick Airbnb. What's yeah. up? Mark was in his pajamas. He looks very cozy. You know you want a piece of that. Uh, moving right along because that makes me uncomfortable. Uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Deadpool uh, two. Deadpool two, not Deadpool one. Uh, so Deadpool also is actually what it's called. I think. Is that real? No. Oh. He's, <laughs> he's making funny irreverent jokes like the funny Deadpool movie. Yeah. Well, just like the Deadpool movie, a lot of those are lost on me. <laughs> so we're going to jump right into it uh, with our spoiler-free section. Uh, so, Pete, why don't you take it away and give me your spoiler-free thoughts? In oh. three words or less. No. <laughs> um, uh, so I actually ended up like That's this. It. You used all your words. How about you use no words for the rest of the show? That's a good recommendation. All right. Okay. No, I don't actually want that. Shut up. Just shut up for now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I ended up enjoying this movie a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, I, I, you know, I, uh, I went into this with pretty low, not low expectations necessarily, but just low hype levels. You know, like I like Deadpool 1 just fine. Um, I like Deadpool as a character just fine, but I'm not... I'm not a huge Deadpool fan, and I didn't walk out of Deadpool 1 feeling like I needed or wanted more. Right. You know? Um, so to walk out of this movie uh, and f- feel like it was like a, um, like even like a solid B, you know, is like a lot more than I expected. Um, so yeah, I think it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think it tried a little too hard, just like the first Deadpool did. I think it tried to force uh, a lot of sentimentality into the movie that I just don't know. Um, I just don't feel like it's earned in a lot of cases. Uh, and it just kind of feels very like, well, this is a movie, so this has to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when it's just like being what it is, I think it uh, it has a lot of fun. And it managed to surprise me uh, a fair amount from what we had already seen, uh, which is, I think, a testament to how effective Deadpool's marketing has been. And um, yeah, yeah. And overall, it was it was solid. I, I had a good time with it. Awesome. Uh, Phil, what do you, what do you think about the movie? 
Feels weird. All right, cool. Uh, Marco, what you <laughs> So, um, I was excited for the movie, but I think I came out of it a little bit less hot than I went into it. And it was, it, it, it definitely kind of injected a lot more than it actually had into it. And I think it didn't, it, it didn't fly for me. I didn't necessarily think that it worked to the larger story. It it did try too hard to do a lot of things that in the first movie played up even more um, in this one. And so, yeah, I, uh, I expected more and what I got, I enjoyed. Okay, Phil, for real. It feels weird trying to talk in length about this movie because it's um, not particularly substantial. It's just a bunch of reverent shit kind of thrown together. Um, that said, kind of what Pete alluded to is uh, very accurate in the sense that whenever it tried to um, have some sort of dramatic moment that was supposed to resonate with audiences in a significant or meaningful way, I was like, why is this in this movie? They're like, why the fuck is this here? No one's watching this movie to be like, I mean, I hope Deadpool gets a happy ending. <laughs> and uh, it had its moments. Uh, when you throw a million jokes against the wall, like, not all of them are going to land. That was certainly true of this movie. The other thing I could say, I suppose, is sometimes they dwell on bits for too long. Yeah. I remember there was, I think, two instances for me where I felt like that was, like, particularly glaring. Where it was, like, really, like, okay, like, let's move on. I think if you like referential humor, uh, like, memes and stuff like that, you'll really dig the shit out of this movie. Speak up a little bit, bud. But I saw a tweet going into this movie that was, like, Deadpool is minions for adults. And that's been stuck in my head for, like, three hours. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then Marco, this is, on, this is a little bit of a non-secular, but Marco's like, I think minions are minions for adults. He made some really disappointing revelations about his personal life. <laughs> so that's my opinion on Deadpool. Wow. Uh, how graceful of you the way you delivered that. <laughs> So, uh, I feel similar to, similarly to Pete in that I don't really care about Deadpool too much. Um, the first one was solid. I, I liked it for how true to Deadpool it was in the sense that they didn't hold anything back from what he's like in the comics for the most part. And that, that was definitely true here. I think this movie got a lot of things right. Uh, it did a solid job by Cable. Uh, I like Domino quite a bit. Oh, Domino's cool. Yeah, Domino is very cool. Um, I think that this was the most subversive superhero movie I've ever seen. And that was really cool about it because it wasn't forced. It was just kind of what it was. Uh, and then, of course, when it comes to the humor, which is what we're all here for, for a Deadpool movie... I think I think that was was hit or miss in a lot of ways. I think when it landed stuff, it really really landed it, and it came off as some of the best comedy we've seen in a superhero movie yet. But when it missed, it was kind of just weird. And uh, when you've got an audience full of people who don't laugh at something they're clearly supposed to laugh at, it just creates an awkward moment. Um, but overall, I had fun with the movie. Uh, will I be thinking about it in a week or two? No. Uh, and especially considering what, how this summer has started, or how this year has started for superhero movies. When you're talking about Black Panther and you're talking about Infinity War, this is kind of like a, a kind of downswing. 
we finished watching this movie an hour and a half ago. I'm already thinking about other things. There you go. Uh, so, before we move into the spoiler section, uh, there is a tradition that we must oh, keep. Right. So, you'll have to excuse me as I pull up Rotten Tomatoes because we are going to figure out if our ideas about how general audiences and reviewers felt about the movie is aligned with uh, what they really thought. So, uh, as we always do, we're going to go across, we're going to go around the room and see how you guys feel. Now, just as a preface, only the critics' ratings are in. Uh, the actual audience feelings are not in yet. Makes sense. We're literally recording this uh, Thursday night. Yeah. So, uh, let's start with Marco. Uh, Crix, I'm going to say seven. Seven? <laughs> what? Seven percent? Oh, sorry. Like seven. D? Uh, no, like seven out of ten. No, man. It's Rotten Tomatoes. It's Rotten Tomatoes. It's Rotten Tomatoes. Seventy. Yeah. Okay. Seventy? Okay. Uh, and how bad do you think audiences want to see this? So that's how it works. It's, it's, it's how uh, much they want to see it. Yeah. Everybody's been pretty happy about it, so I want to say like 92. Cool. Cool. Uh, I'm going to say critics gave it a 83%. And then I'm going to say the anticipation score is uh, 95%, not too far off from Marco. Yeah, we always do this, and we always forget that we do this, so I don't even think to cheat. <laughs> because I forget we do this. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the over, and I'm gonna say 85 for critic score, and what did you say for audience feel? 90 what? 95. 96. <laughs> then you want shoot for the moon, Pete? Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. You just float endlessly. All right, I like that one. <laughs> no, you don't. No, Marco's right. You just seventy percent. <laughs> Okay, so uh, the real answer is a uh, critic score of 84%. Oh, damn it! Fuck! Wait, what did you say? 83. Hey! 80 wins. I went over. And, well, here we go. Audience right? interest level of 99%. What? So I'll take that one. <laughs> yep. Okay. okay. So you guys split the middle. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. Cool. All right, Mark, you get the middle. <laughs> That's, uh... All right, uh, we are moving along swimmingly, uh, giving Marco lots of editing work to do. It's like one uh, more. We're going to jump into the spoiler section. So if you haven't had the chance to see the movie yet and you care about spoilers, you're going to want to jump out now and come back when the movie has, when you've seen the movie, so you can hear our thoughts. Uh, so let's just jump right into it and talk about how this movie stacks up to the first one. Uh, does it? sort of live up to the hype that came from the first one and do you think that it serves its characters well okay so there's a couple questions there i think does it live up to the hype of the first one no and i don't really think it could um just because i don't feel like deadpool's a character that doesn't really benefit from growth so like a sequel was only in my mind only ever going to be more of the same and like uh it's the law of diminishing returns right um, as far as like, does it uh, treat its characters well? I think yes. Um, the ones it doesn't murder within five seconds of meeting them, anyway. Um, because I think the characters that we already knew, um, 
I mean, like Colossus and and uh, and Teenage whatever Bottle Rocket um, <laughs> are Negasonic Teenage Warhead. There you go. Thank you. Uh, I, neither of them were particularly well utilized, but like I like Domino a lot, and Cable was cool. So like those two characters were served well, and um, you know I think uh, you could say the same of of Deadpool in terms of like I think the creative team here like definitely gets Deadpool, and I feel like the movies are very representative of like his character, you know, and like what what people like about Deadpool. Um, so yeah, I, I think as far as that stuff's concerned, um, it did it did what it needed to do. That's cool. funny that he mentions uh, killing characters off within five seconds because in the movie theater, Pete was laughing very loudly at character like this random people dying. <laughs> yeah, I laughed at a lot of dismemberment. I literally turned and looked at him. I was like, Jesus, dude! There was a lot of dismemberment in this movie. It was pretty brutal. Uh, Marcos, did this did this live up to the hype from the first one for you? No, it uh, it did it, and that was just the way that I was already coming into it. Um, and yeah, like to your point, like he doesn't benefit from growth. He can't grow because then he's not that character, and that would be underserving the main character of this movie. Uh, as everything else, like I don't think um, I don't really know Cable nor do I know Domino. So like I'm assuming they were treated pretty well. Uh, they seem to be good characters to bounce off for Deadpool. Um, as well as the rest of the cast, and they they sort of came into it on their own as characters, which is really exciting. Um, and kept me engrossed at least. Was the second one? Uh, what was did the humor land well for you? Oh, um, it was hit or miss. Some of them were like were, were like tired from something they had done previously. A lot of the meta stuff, the like breaking the fourth wall. They finally we've seen it, so they they didn't build upon it necessarily or do anything different with it. It was just sort of recycled. Um, they did some cool things uh, where they sort of switched things up. Uh, they added a lot more gore, I think, and played up more like that violence humor. Yeah, like the hyper violence. Yeah, uh, and uh, it was it, the jokes were okay. Like it wasn't anything. I I laughed, but it wasn't everything. You know, it's funny because now I think the Deadpool shtick, when it comes to humor, I think like. The Marvel movies are probably funnier than this. Um, like Avengers: Infinity War is pretty funny, um, or at least more like more consistent. Yeah, yeah, I think you could say that. They definitely don't have the, the kind of time for long running gags like Deadpool does, but I don't necessarily know that that's even better. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like more. They're, they're just. Uh, I guess it's the they're more. I don't know. They're more tonal. <laughs> the the MCU movies that focus on comedy, uh, whereas this is just like, like I said, it's throwing spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Um, with regard to the question, to the characters of this film, um, you, you asked how it compares to the hype of the first movie. That was the first question you asked. And the thing I was thinking about was, I don't remember the plot of the first film at all. <laughs> I remember the characters. They were all, um, like, they were all visually memorable uh, from the first movie, like Colossus, uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead Turtle, um, uh, Deadpool, obviously. But outside of that, I, 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 I 
couldn't really, really remember much out of the first movie. I liked the way they utilized some characters. Uh, there was there was there was a scene where he assembles kind of a makeshift X Force, which is a scene from like a mid nineties X Force comic, I think. Where uh, are we in spoilers? I forget. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, where they all die immediately on their first mission. Uh, but I like, that was kind of a playoff of the trope of like, why do I care about any of these characters? Like, I think of a movie like Star Wars Rogue One where they kind of assemble this makeshift team, and it's like I don't remember any of the characters' names from that movie. Uh, so why do I care about any of those characters? Uh, but I will make a note that of all these secondary characters, uh, there's a character in this film named Peter, who was definitely the uh, hero this film deserved, but perhaps not the one needed. Uh, with regards to the humor, uh, I didn't laugh. <laughs> I laughed a bit. Um, but uh, I found the humor in like, Avengers Infinity War a little more endearing, I guess. Uh, I'm kind of tired of the kind of irreverent meta humor, as Marco put it. Uh, but, you know, I knew that going in. I, I try to divorce my, um, my disinterest in like the Deadpool humor with the film. Uh, but as a film, I think this is probably a more incomplete film than the first one. That was my feeling going out. But like I said, I barely remember the first one. So, You know, like I, I feel like um, this movie reminds me a lot of like... Uh, Ice Age 2. Yes. No, I was going to say it actually reminds me a lot of like Ghostbusters 2. Where like, I feel like the first one works better because it is just kind of a proof of concept. Like, it's about, like, oh, here's what Deadpool's about. And this movie was more like, all right, you know what Deadpool's about. What do we have him do? And it's not super compelling, you know? Like, it's really just a means to an end. It's all, um, it's all low-hanging fruit jokes, you know? Like, it doesn't really... Uh, there's plenty of comedies out there where you watch it, and it's memorable. The jokes are clever, well-crafted. You the, the, the humor stays with you. Mm-hmm. Whereas something like this, where it's all low hanging fruit, kind of like blood and uh, dick, dick jokes, where it's just like, I mean, like, yeah, I've heard this show all my life. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I think uh, there's nothing revolutionary about it, right? Like, I, I don't, and I think, like, one of the things that stuck out to me is I don't think that there's any moment in this movie that's as memorable as um, some of the really high points of Deadpool. You know, like I feel like um, that that scene in the first one where it's like the fight on the bridge. You know, he's like sitting on the billboard, and then DMX plays. And That's the scene I remember best from that movie. And that is like like that scene alone is enough. Like that's like you know that's like the thesis statement for the movie. And I feel like there's not anything in this that really feels like that. Um, it's just like a lot of good action sequences uh some of which are like pretty funny and you know like set up to just have an opportunity to have these characters bounce off each other and like make jokes you know and then like the frame of it being like so wrapped in sentimentality and like family and love and i'm just like ah like it felt like the first one where it's like i don't really like feel like i need deadpool to like find true love yeah. There's, there's a uh, there's a thing I often say when I talk. I don't. Maybe I was talking to Kale or Marco about it, but there's a something I've, I've said for a long time about the nature of comedy where this sucks. I'm talking about like 
comedy in a meta way where I had to reflect on comedy. That's why I said it was weird to talk about Deadpool in an in-depth way because we had to dissect the comedy of the film, which is always death. Anyway, with a good comedy in film, you only have an hour and a half to two hours of really getting into the comedy or something. That's why there's so many kind of, not necessarily romantic comedies, but comedies that have romance as a secondary plot in the film. Think of like most Adam Sandler movies after like maybe the first two or three don't work because you're trying to fit plot in something that's supposed to be funny. With television, I think it's different because with television, you have multiple seasons to develop characters that you like them and they're like comedy and character development can happen simultaneously. But with comedy and movies, I, some of the best comedy films of all time is from a historical standpoint. Movies like The Jerk, which is Steve Allen, or, uh, or Steve Martin, rather, or uh, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, or uh, a lot of Marx Brothers movies, which focus for, in a way that Deadpool 2 does, and you throw all the comedy at the wall like spaghetti, see what lands. With, where plot is secondary. But the problem with Deadpool 2 is it tries to do all the jokes at the same time while trying to have, as what Pete described, a uh, romantic subplot. The sentimentality, F, the F word for family. And it feels super insincere because X-Force is a more aggressive version of the X-Men. And they're not, it's not really, when I think of X-Force, I don't think of a family dynamic like I would with the X-Men. I also feel like it, uh, it puts all of the like sentimental shit at the very beginning and very end of the movie. So it's like sandwiched. They sandwich all of the actual content in between stuff that's just not really totally appropriate. So I I definitely agree with some of the stuff that you guys said. I think that the movie it, it goes for the sentimentality which actually landed with me. Um, it doesn't feel out of place. Yeah, but I think that Deadpool is a character who you can do a ton of different things with, and I think they showcased that really well across these two movies. That he is he is malleable, um, and he can always get back to one. He can always you can always rubber band him in any way that you want to do it. Yeah. Um, is it hard to believe that Deadpool wants to have children? Yes, it is hard to believe that. That's like the the whole basis for everything. He wants to have a kid, and then he sees this Russell character as this surrogate son uh, for him. And, you know, that's fine. It's, you know, that's cool if that's what they felt like doing. I think the bigger problem for me is, is less that and more that because the plot is so thin, it doesn't really give the characters a lot of opportunities to show themselves. Uh, so, for example, Domino. The only thing I got out of this movie... She's lucky. Is that she's lucky. That's the only lesson I learned regarding Domino. And for her, for Domino herself, she didn't really get anything out of this either. Uh, the, whole, the whole idea was that she goes to this, you know, um, concentration camp or whatever, where she allegedly grew up at, and she takes this opportunity to kill uh, the people who, you know, are running this place. And that's completely fine, but I don't know her pain. So I don't really care that she gets this opportunity. Yeah, we're not shown it. We're, we're just told the same thing with, uh, like, with Cable's character, like we're sure we're shown the corpses, but when we're introduced, it's just like this dude, there's a burnt teddy bear, and there's bodies. Since I don't know the character, I didn't understand that, and I just sort of thought, okay, we're in the future, I guess, and something's going on. 
where what happens. I feel like for Cable to really work for you in this movie, you have to have some familiarity with him as a character. Because um, I like I didn't get that impression. Like I remember feeling like okay, like I feel like Cable is set up well. He has stakes. Like there's skin in the game for him. I get it. Whereas like with Domino, when they were when she was like, oh by the way, I figured out my purpose. It was that I was I grew up here. I was just like, oh, like it was just like it felt very much just like plot. You know, it's like this character needs to have an arc for some reason. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you remember that part where, where Deadpool, like, breaks the fourth wall and he's just like, that's just bad writing. And I, like, I was like, oh, is he going to make a joke about this again, too, about how convenient it is? It's like, oh, yeah, no, I just came here because um, I'm lucky and there's a reason I'm here, but I just don't know it yet. Oh, wait, I figured it out. It's this convenient thing about my backstory. It's like, why? You know? Like, I, I didn't need that connection at all. Like... Listen, it's not clever to point out bad writing either. Like, I can sh- shit out something and be like, oh, by the way, this is bad. This is bad writing. It's not clever. It's just... I guess the one the one thing about that joke for me was I didn't think it was a commentary on, like, it being bad writing as much as it was just kind of, like, uh, a knock at, like, tropes. Yeah, I you know, like, that's a trope in comics of just, like, oh, well, why wouldn't you just go back and do this thing? It's like, well, here's this convoluted science fiction reason why that wouldn't work. And it's like, oh, okay. There was a lot of, uh, nifty, nifty, F- uh, nifty X-Men references in this movie, though. Uh, the name of that place was, like, the Essex Compound or something, yeah, which yeah. is a reference to Mr. Sinister. Yeah. They've been um, building her up over the course of several movies now. Yeah, I guess so. He did, yeah, wasn't he supposed to be the bad guy in New Mutants? Right. Uh, At the end of New Mutants. And like, uh, when Juggernaut showed up too, like I don't know, like his whole his whole uh, appearance, and I don't know, like I would say I, I like some of the the allusions to like uh, the X Men stuff. I guess. I, I I thought Juggernaut was really cool. Like that was something that really got a pop out of me. And like one of the things that was most fun for me about it was I figured out it was Juggernaut like a cut like a, this scene before they revealed him and I remember like when they showed him the first time Sean was just like oh shit and I was just like yes like <laughs> that's exactly like I I wasn't expecting Juggernaut at all I remember you said that like the like rumors had kind of been circling or whatever like I have not been paying attention to this movie because I didn't really have any hype for it right oh that's the other thing I, was, I just remember my other thing I'm sorry but uh, when Shatterstar shows up and he's like yeah I'm from Mojo World versus the Alien Planet oh yeah I was like oh shit there's like more little neat X-Men references yeah sorry. so with with the Juggernaut thing it was like once they said oh there's a monster in in the you know in the compound or whatever it was like oh cool it's Juggernaut but then I haven't seen Juggernaut movies since The Last Stand, right? And that was like not great, not a great interpretation of Juggernaut. So to see this was so awesome because it felt right. And that's the key to me for the Deadpool franchise so far has been that the characters feel right. They yeah. feel like the comics. I think if Juggernaut were, if you could have Juggernaut in an R-rated movie, this is what he would be like, like to the T. Juggernaut can't curse in the comics, but he can in the Deadpool movie. And it's like, oh yeah, Juggernaut would totally be this kind of foul-mouthed douchebag, you know? Um, so so to get back to the earlier point, right? Like Cable feels like Cable. Absolutely. It's like he's he's on point. That's not the problem. The problem is that I like I bought into what his cause was, and they took me out of it. Uh, 
if it matters that much to you to get your daughter back to restore your future, then you don't give Deadpool the 30 seconds to talk to yeah. the kid. That didn't land for me. And then on top of that, at the end, he uses his last jump to bring Deadpool back as if his old life doesn't matter anymore, and I have no idea why he feels that way. They don't ever explain that. Yeah, it was it was bizarre. Right? He's just like, like he does literally everything up until the end for his family, and he's like, here you go, Deadpool. I owe you one. Okay. It, 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 it was, I can buy him giving Deadpool 30 seconds because at the end of the sure. day, the idea is like, I have to shoot this kid 30 seconds and 30 seconds. If it works, then I don't have to shoot a kid. But if it doesn't work, I'm still going to shoot a kid. But, yeah, I, I, I got that same read, Phil. But the ending didn't make sense because, well, my family's fine. I'm just going to dig around in this time now. Why? Fucking yeah. why? His reasoning was, you know, that he wants to keep the world from falling apart or whatever, and that's completely fine, except for the fact that he has no reason to care about this timeline. We don't know that his timeline in the future is horrible. We don't get that perception. We do know that it's terrible because of the exposition where he says, your generation left the world, get all this shit. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that it's like a hellscape. It just means that you're, you know, rough. Right. Uh, and then on top of that, why would he want to leave his daughter to that? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And also, if he stays in the current timeline, he'll net like it's, he's never gonna see them again. It's not like they're gonna. It's not like he's gonna have his daughter in this timeline. That's not gonna happen. Something that really bugged me was about like the end of the film where he take Deadpool takes the time travel apparatus and like I guess they're able to repair it somehow presumably like this technology that doesn't exist that I always kind of piece together and then they just undo all the stakes of the film it's just like yeah why did I watch this fucking movie it's just like oh hey like remember every negative thing that happened it's undone okay cool I think it's like funny like you made the joke Sean that like um. It's just kind of like rubber banding back. But at the same breath, it's like, I think a lot of the things that we are uh, kind of like nitpicking about, like they're very representative of like Deadpool as a character. You know, like Deadpool is like in his current incarnation, like he is about referential humor. You know, like he definitely is like irreverent and hyper violent and all those things. And like, he does always rubber band and um, like, he's not a character that's about growth. So it's like, you're right, but it's also just like, well, who fucking cares? It's Deadpool. Yeah, you're not wrong. You know, like, that's like not why I'm here. I'm not here to see, to fucking, like, feel something. I'm here to laugh. Yeah, I, I, you're not wrong, but like, like yeah, it's just not my thing. And I said that going in. Yeah, yeah. But so, to that point, though, the movie does try to introduce quite a bit of sentimentality uh, through... Yeah. The death of uh, Deadpool's girlfriend. Uh, I can't remember her name. Right uh, now. Gwen Stacy. <laughs> yeah, uh, wrong wrong franchise. Okay. Um, I would be like my reference. But in any event, <laughs> I'm Batman. Oh, man, <laughs> in any event, uh, they do try to introduce some sentimentality through her. She decides to get off her birth control so that she can try to have a child with. Wade, which is an insane notion in and of itself. 
Um, and then, of course, to the character of, of Russell, uh, who I actually really liked. Yeah, um, it's cool. I, I really enjoyed his character. Um, first of all, it's rare that you get to see a, a character who is a kid who's not frail, right? Who can defend themselves. He's not, he doesn't actually need Deadpool. Um, he can get his, he can get the job done on his own. He's not afraid of anything. I really like that. Um, then he shacks up with Juggernaut, which again is like the coolest thing in the whole movie. And towards the end, not even towards the end, all throughout, it's clear that Deadpool really does care about this kid. Yeah. And I love when you get to see those hard-ass characters like Wolverine uh, attach themselves to a, a person, a young person, whoever, and make it their business to sort of protect them. And I, I don't think that that didn't work here, especially because um, the kid didn't want Deadpool. So that kind of became the chase element. Um, but I, I also agree with you guys in the sense that did, did we need that? Do, do, do these movies need to do, do things like that? See, like for me, that would have been a compelling enough narrative. Yeah. Like I think the emotional core of Deadpool having a relationship to the kid is enough. I think having the whole, the X-Force is your family and like, your sur- he's your surrogate child because your girlfriend who you were trying to impregnate died. Like, that was all the shit I didn't need. Like, I would have been just fine if they would have just like, chosen to write out, you know, his girlfriend by just being like, well, he's off on this mission, she's just not around. Like, what they do with like Pepper and like Iron Man 2 or 3 or whatever, where, you know, it's just like, she's just not here. Like, she's alive or whatever, they're gonna have it's fine, whatever, who cares? You know, like, that would have been fine. And I feel like having him have that relationship to the kid, like you said, like, I think that's, that's a time-honored uh, tradition in storytelling, right? Is like the gruff, you know, killer whatever you want to call it right like who connects with this kid right and like finds uh an innocent thing to protect you know and to to nurture in some way and um i think that would have been a, a totally viable emotional core for the movie because i think you're right and that like it does work well enough because the movies have done a good job of selling us on the fact that like deadpool is sensitive right you know um so yeah, I feel like it's just, uh, I said it in the spoiler freeze, I think the movie just tries too hard, you know? It tries too hard to be funny, it tries too hard to have heart, when I think when it really just, just like takes a step back and just does what it's doing, it does those things pretty well. Yeah, I think Deadpool in general tries too hard, but you know, I guess go back a bit. Sean, you make a good point. I didn't really understand uh, Cable's motive when he said that he wanted to get rid of half of the universe. I thought that was like a huge inconsistency. Are you Deadpool? Yeah. Uh, so I, I did I did really like that joke where he was like, shut up, Thanos. <laughs> I just want to add that Wade's uh, uh, fiance was Vanessa Carlisle. Thank you. Know? Yeah. Played by Morena Vaccarin, I believe. Um, I really like her. Um, yeah, she's uh, she's been in a couple things actually. She's yeah, no, she was also in the B. Um, but in any event, all oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. So hmm. one thing that that kind of is getting to me when it comes to the the Deadpool films, and I think it was really exposed with this one, is that 
the movies feel like they're kind of a day in the life of. Yeah. Right? And that's cool because it feels like a comic book arc, like a, like a short four-issue mini uh, type thing. The problem is that the stakes feel completely non-existent. Uh, the plot is basically non-existent. These are very character-driven, which would be fantastic because we don't really get those. But the characters, like I was saying earlier, don't get a lot to do because of the nature of the plot. They're not put in a situation that requires them to have emotional reactions. The, the person who has the most stakes is Cable, and he's soulless. He's not soulless, but he's a hard ass. He doesn't have, he doesn't express himself. He feels like the Terminator. He feels like the Terminator, yeah. and he feels like the Winter Soldier. That's, it, that's awesome. The problem is that he becomes good. He, he, he becomes good. He teams up with Deadpool in order to stop Juggernaut and Russell, and that would be fine, except that, again, he spends the first half of the movie as a Terminator, but then when it flips and he becomes good, he still doesn't have that emotional core. Uh, no one does. I will say, though, um, I like that he had the face turn, because I remember we had talked about that in the, the lead-up to the movie, like we saw the trailer and we were like, I was kind of interested in this when it was like the idea of them teaming up, but then seeing him like being the villain is kind of like shitty. And like I like that they kind of faked us out, you know, and then like we end up getting to see like them have some of the like cable and Deadpool moments because like there's a reason that that book went for like 50 issues or whatever. Like they have a compelling dynamic and like, like I, and like again, it sucks because we really only get like brief glimpses of it, but um, like that one moment where, uh, like, they have the little kind of, like, they, like, bounce off each other or whatever, and then Deadpool's like, did you just feel that? Like, you know, like, only best friends kill child uh, molesters together or whatever. Like, that was funny, you know? Yeah, uh, I, I, I definitely love seeing them together. That's not the problem. The problem is that Cable bounces between being good and bad, or yeah. I should say he flips, which would be okay, but he doesn't, he doesn't grow. It's not because he has a revelation. It's not because some. It's not. It's because Juggernaut is now involved, right? That, that, but his goal is still the exact same. Yeah. And nothing ever changes for him, even when he decides to uh, um, let the kid live or give Deadpool thirty seconds. That's how when he uses his you know uh, time travel to go back in time and stop Deadpool Deadpool from dying. We still don't feel anything about his choice. And so that's my issue. Everybody, everything that everybody does feels like the setup to a joke or how. Nothing feels relevant. Or, or earned in any way. Like, it's just a lot of, like, this is what happens and this is how you're supposed to feel about it. So feel that way. And it's like, okay. Why, why would Cable care to bring Deadpool back? I, I, don't, I don't think that there's any good reason for that. Right, like, especially when you consider the fact that Deadpool, like, like they could have saved him. Like, they go to take off the collar, and he's like, no, just let me die. And then Cable decides to not put him in that position, because then he doesn't, you know, like, he, he decides to save his life, which is great, but it's like, I don't understand why he as a character would do that. You know, like, if, if his whole motivation was getting back to his timeline, saving his family or whatever... If Deadpool's like, no, just let me die, he'd be like, okay, like it's sad he's dead, but I'm gonna go back to the future and like be with my family, like it's been real. Especially, so just one last point, Marco, especially because 
the timeline he comes from, Deadpool's already dead. Yeah. So there's no re- it doesn't matter unless he has some information about Deadpool's relevance to the future that causes him to do that. But if that were the case, he would have ripped off the inhibitor uh, collar and not let him die to begin with. It sort of unravels the character. Like like you said, it set up this whole thing at the beginning, and then at the end, it's just like, it just falls apart. And I think that sort of is the same thing with the plot in general. It all just kind of builds up and then ends neatly tied up. Sort of thing. Yeah. It's it's just everything fell in too easy, and it wasn't. There were no stakes, and you felt that that the movie. That's why everything was hyper violent because there were no stakes because everybody could kick ass, everybody could destroy something, everybody was capable. And I feel like, um, Sean, you made the point that like if it feels like a comic because of that, and I think that's accurate. But I think um, I meant to say this earlier. Like I think it's just also like Deadpool's a cartoon character. And like these, these feel they're like episodic, you know. Like at the end of the day, we have to reset back to one because they need to set up the next movie. And it's not about having Deadpool grow or change. Deadpool needs to just be Deadpool. So like, I think all those things are true. Like there aren't stakes or whatever. But like, how can you like? I just feel like having stakes goes against the point almost. So it tries to have stakes, right? And that's the problem. And like, and I agree with that. You know. Um, I just feel like it's like, I don't even feel like those things are the problem. Like, I think it is the fact that they want to have their cake and eat it too. That's what I was they, saying. They want to, they want to be the funny, irreverent, you know, uh, violent R-rated superhero movie, but then they also want to like have, like they want to make fun of the tropes of superhero movies, but they don't do enough to distance themselves from them. Yeah. Uh, I guess like Mark, it's weird that we're, we're dissecting this very irreverent film where like nothing matters but we're doing it because it's trying it, it tries to say something it tries to mean something and that's that's the issue uh, marco talks about how it has stakes but it has no stakes and that is clear in the credits where literally all the stakes of the film are unraveled to reset to pete's point that's the cartoonish nature of it but it, it tries to be two things at the same time, and I'm not. I, I, it's probably completely capable of being a reverent comedy, uh, but as being like a capable film that tries to have like a cohesive plot, I don't. I don't think that's the case at all. I had a thought. I lost it. That's what happens. Yeah. Uh, two in the morning. <laughs> so the 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 problems that are exposed by. You know what you guys are talking about is just the result of having to fill whatever two hours. You can't make a two-hour movie that has nothing happening. You know something has to drive the story, and I think um, I think that the first one did similar things because you've got to do it. There has to be something, and so I don't think that it's impossible to tell a story in which Deadpool cares about stuff or that things matter or that character deaths can really impact. Uh, the story and, and, and set things in, things in motion and cause change, uh, but I think it was too many <clears throat> too many combinations of things that didn't ultimately seem to matter, and too many characters who didn't really care about what was going on or had the capacity to express that they cared about what was going on. A, a big problem I had too, and this is something that I had an issue with with Thor Ragnarok to a lesser extent, was that it like. Undercuts its own dramatic moments with kind of 
inappropriately placed comedy. Oh. Uh, there was a scene early in the movie where uh, the girlfriend dies that led like to the opening credits, and it was like, it's supposed to be a dramatic moment in the film. But the opening credits had a bunch of uh, uh, written gags that made the audience laugh, and I was like, "What am I supposed to be feeling right now?" Well, and then they, and then it goes from being dramatic to humor. Right. Like, they have all the pinup stuff, and it's like the Beyonce thing. That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. And then, in the climax of the film, you're supposed to feel something for Deadpool because he's dying and he sacrificed himself, but the death scene went on way too long. To Marco's point at the very beginning, where you talk about gags going on too long. That was the worst offender. That was a gag that went on too long, and it got to the point where I was like, just end the movie. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. I think that was the worst uh, offender by by a long shot. Um... I, I very much was just like uh, like rolling my eyes at it at that point, you know, just like, okay, like calm the fuck on. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like uh, the emotional thing, right? Like that is, I think, a part of the problem with some of the humor too is like they want us to like empathize with Deadpool and think of him as a character that like um, is, is fairly sentimental, you know? Uh, but, like, the fact that, like, he doesn't have a more significant reaction to the entire X-Force team dying, like, doesn't really make sense. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because it's like they're on the they're on the plane, like, not five minutes earlier, and he's like, I'm, I'm getting choked up, you guys. Like, you're my family or whatever. Like, you're the family. You know, and it's like, and even if you, like, that is supposed to seem sincere. And then they all die, and he's just like, oh, my God, I'm going to throw up. And it's like, okay, cool, but, like, that's it? Like, you have no other reaction to this at all? And it's like, if that doesn't matter, why does it matter if this kid dies? You know, it's just like, it just feels dissonant for the sake of that gag, which I thought was funny and landed, but it's just like, you can't have it both ways. And that's what this movie wants to do. Well, I will will make, I have to contradict one point, Peter, that... Deadpool did go out of his way to save Peter. I really like that character. Yeah, I did too. I thought that was a really funny bit. Like, like that whole thing um, really landed for me, I have yeah. to say. Paul Tompkins looking motherfucker. Well, and just like, even just like the way they played it with, uh, I can't remember his name, but the, the taxi driver guy, who I, I thought was actually really funny too. Like, I like that he came back and like got some development, but uh I thought that whole thing of just like, he's like, yeah, well, I mean, nah, it seems like it would be fun. He's like, you fucking kidding me? It's like, this is good. It's good. So to me, his his lack of reaction to X-Force is classic Deadpool, right? Like, we forget that we're dealing with a psycho. Yeah. He's not, he's not normal. Um, and who knows if what he said to those, to, to X-Force on the plane was honest. He's crazy. You know, he just says stuff. And uh, I, I thought the fact that they died so quickly, I, you know, I wanted to see those characters. I wanted to see Shatterstar. That's it's a complete waste. I want to see Peter. <laughs> Fuck Peter. Okay. Whoa! <laughs> how you gonna do, dude? How you gonna do our boy dirty like that? Listen, <laughs> he got no play. <laughs> uh, What's yeah. yeah. Real recognizes real. Peter was the hero of that film. Dude, he he's the only one who tried to he's the only one who tried to administer aid to his teammates. That that I will say. <laughs> I'm afraid you're gonna say me. something. You've got to say it into the mic, man. Trying to loud. So fucking nice out. Uh, Big doinks. 
<laughs> I tried so hard not to reference that this entire fucking There's only so much I can do, guys. It is two in the morning. Uh, uh, I, all I was going to say was he's, you know, that scene where he was trying to pull what's his name out of the, like, wood chipper, and he's like, X-Force, we're X-Force, man. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, I, and that's all good. I just don't really like it when these movies take characters who people legitimately care about and make them into a five-minute... A punchline. Yeah, yeah. especially Shatterstar. It just seems like a super huge waste. How about that Brad Pitt cameo, though? <laughs> that shit was really funny. Yeah. He was originally uh, supposedly Cable, but he had a uh, contractual issue where he had to do another film. But he and apparently the director or the screenwriter got along so well uh, that they were able to find time to put him in for a little cameo. And he was uh, uh, the disappearing guy who was invisible. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you who didn't catch it. I, I couldn't tell who that was. Oh. They showed him for such a short period of time that I just I couldn't make out who it was. Yeah, Brad Pitt. Yeah, I thought that was a really funny bit too. Just like, and that's the thing, man. Is I really feel like the movie, like when it tried to do less, it got more. Mm-hmm. Like the bit with the uh, the rest of the X Men. Why they like like they close the door? That was so fucking was funny. He's like, I love him. He's like, where is everybody? And they're just like, <laughs> so I think I think with this movie uh, and with the Deadpool franchise, what what needs to start happening is it needs to figure out. Okay, is Deadpool just going to be a, a two hour you know reference fest? of you know non sequiturs and just randomness um and is that something that audiences are going to be coming back for consistently i'm really interested to see how this movie does uh i think it could go either way to be honest uh i personally could don't need another deadpool movie i like the only time in the comics i've ever enjoyed deadpool was during x-force uh recommenders x-force run the only time I've ever liked Deadpool. Is that the original X-Force or is that Uncanny? No, Rick Remender's run was like a few years ago. That was the only one with... That was the one where Deadpool was in the great costume and Wolverine and Angel were on the team, right? Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think original X-Force is baby in the season. Yeah. I, I think I think the book that, that Sean and I are talking about is Uncanny X-Force. I, I didn't really yeah, that, yeah, that, that book was good. That was like, what, seven, six it's years like ago? 2011 maybe? Yeah, it was like... I remember that was when I was like still real deep in Marvel's camp. I was super into that book. I was reading that in like Merc with a Mouth. So that's the only time that I've ever actually enjoyed the character. And a big reason why is because Deadpool's lack of caring about things and all his random humor and stuff works a lot better when there are people who really care that can play off of what he's doing. And I think it, it, more than anything, that's what this movie lacked. Um, Deadpool's funny when he's in situations where things matter and he just doesn't care. Uh, but nothing mattered. So I think an X-Force movie, which we've been, it's been rumored for the longest time, the way this movie ends, I think there's a real chance that we're gonna get that, especially they reference the uh, Essex again, leading towards Mr. Sinister. Uh, in an X-Force movie, I think Deadpool's character has the potential to really, really shine, kind of like the Hulk. Uh, yeah, but as a solo act, I think I'm. I enjoyed this movie. I didn't hate it. I liked it quite a bit. But this is all I need to see of Deadpool as a solo character. 
See, for me, like, I I feel like I will feel the same way about, because I think we're getting a Deadpool 3. That's, like, probably inevitable. Um, I feel like I'll feel the same way about it I did about this one in terms of going into it. Of Like, I don't think I'll be excited for it, but I imagine it'll be an okay time. You know, and, like, I won't regret have spent it, spending the time on it or having spent the time on it, but I feel like, like Phil said, it won't be a movie that'll stick with me. You know, in the same way that Deadpool 1 didn't. You know, like... Were they fun? Would I recommend you to go see them if you're a fan of Deadpool? Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, but are they anything more than a popcorn movie for you to go to and, you know, uh, get a couple laughs out of? Like, no, I, they're not. And I think that's okay. I honestly think if they commit to that and accept that that's what they are and that's what they're going for, um, that would actually be great. Because, like, I think that was part of what really worked for me about um, Homecoming. You know, it was like, I thought that like, like a lot of people criticized it because they were like, well, it had no stakes, right? And I was like, well, no, the stakes are just low. And like, I think that's good. Like, I think like having characters like um, Deadpool who really are sold on personality, uh, putting him in, in stakes, in a situation that are fairly low stakes, like works for him, you know? And I think like playing up more of the the action, the humor, just, like, put Deadpool on a fucking mission. It doesn't even matter what it is, you know? Like, he has to go kill somebody for reasons. Okay, cool. Hilarity ensues. Like, that's what we really want. And, like, I think if they just do that and, and get away from the whole, like, just trying to give him a deeper meaning, that would be to the to the film's benefit. Because no. it's clear that that's what they want. No. I want to see Deadpool raise a family. I want to see Deadpool... A serious dramatic role. I wanna, can, I, can I go to bed yet? I, I <laughs> Not wanna, quite. I want to see Deadpool. I want to see Deadpool win an Academy Award. I hope. I hope the Academy's watching. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, clo- closing thoughts. Who out of the four of us would be accepted to see X Force? Oh. Oh. I feel like you would grow the best porn stash. So. It's an easy answer. The answer is Marco, right? Yeah. I've seen me too. Yeah, I feel like you could be you could be Deadpool's like lovable sidekick. But I just love her. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, have yeah. that, my dude. Uh, but I, I, well, why Marco, you would also win the prison softest mouth. Oh God! Wow, that was a joke from the movie, guys. I know. Referential I know. humor. Referential yeah, humor. Okay. We're all big Deadpool marks here on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so closing thoughts, um, <laughs> I, uh, I thought the movie was fine. Yeah, like, I, I liked it. It's like a solid B minus, you know, like, again, I think if you're a fan of Deadpool, you'll like this movie. Like it, it gets Deadpool. And I think, um, the only reason to be disappointed by it is if you're expecting it to be something that it wasn't going to be. My expectations were pretty low going into it. So I imagine that's why I probably came out of it with such a positive opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, like, it's worth a couple laughs. I think it's shot really well. I think the action is is fun and uh, and well choreographed. And, like, again, if that's what you're in, if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for a fun, irreverent, referential romp, like, Deadpool 2 will give that to you, you know? Um, and I think especially, like, with the, the year we've had, right, like, with Avengers Infinity War and stuff like that, um, this is a good palate cleanser, you know? It's, it's, it is low stakes. It is fun. It's not heavy it's not trying to be meaningful and you know that there's room for that every once in a while 
I think this franchise has been going down a long time, downhill that is. Um, <laughs> I, I, going down? I kind of like the Blood plugs? I kind of like Deadpool humor? I kind of like the first one. I thought Ray Romano played a really good Woolly Mammoth. What? But this movie, Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs, I didn't really care for it very much. I thought it was kind of. Ice Age 2. Oh. Final thoughts on Deadpool 2, you piece of garbage. <laughs> Ice Age 2, Deadpool 2. Oh, good. It was fine. <laughs> on the outset, um, I, 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 I don't have a ton to say about this movie. I, I didn't really. Thank you, that's a valuable take. So, uh, I. I, I, I agree with what you guys have said. It's a fine movie. Uh, it looks good. Sounds good. Uh, action's great. All that's really good. Um, I wish they gave C- Cable more. I wish they gave Domino more. Uh, those are the best characters in the movie. And what they are offered here isn't satisfying. I need, a, an, uh, I need an X-Force movie. A movie where these characters can care about things because the stakes can be high, and Deadpool is just one of the characters who adds that brevity and that lightness without the rest of the film having to suffer for his lack of care. Do you want to see Deadpool like in an Avengers? Did you need the mic to be able to shake your head? I did. <laughs> Sean, do you want to see Deadpool in like an Avengers film? No, not at all. I have no interest in that. Okay, this is curious. Yeah, I only want to see him in movies where he can be extremely violent. Uh, I think I don't want to see him in Avengers in an Avengers movie, but I do think it would be super funny to have him in a movie that's not rated R because, like, Deadpool being Deadpool, like, I think it would be funny to like have that limitation on him and have him like acknowledge it once, being like, ah, yeah, like, you know, PG thirteen, so I can't, you know. Like, normally I just chop your arm off, but I can't get away with that because of the ratings or whatever. Like, I feel like there, there, there could be an opportunity for you to get some fun out of the character, you know? Yeah, I think it's possible. Uh, and maybe when the character needs to be freshened up, we could do that. But right now, I think X-Force is the clear path forward. Let's get tired of that, and then let's put him in a different environment. Uh, because if you want to keep this character fresh to be able to make more movies for the next decade, we've got to do different things. I did want to, I guess, just say one last thing too, which is that because um, we like we talked about the characters a lot, but not the cast so much. Um, I do really like the casting in, in these movies, and uh, I think specifically, um, I think Ryan Reynolds really does do a great job as Deadpool. Um, the, his affection for the character definitely comes across on screen. You know, um, I think much like the overall production of it, like that's really what they get right the most. Is like Deadpool feels like Deadpool, and with how much we talk about how much things kind of have to sometimes change for adaptions, it is cool to see them get the character so right, you know. Yeah, sure. I said that earlier. I think I think uh, the R-rated movies that they've done in general, Logan and then these two Deadpool movies, have been spot on as far as the characterization. They feel true. Yeah, I just wanted more of that. Cool. So hopefully you guys enjoyed our review of Deadpool, uh, Deadpool 2, I should say. Um, and let us know what you thought about the movie. Let us know your thoughts about our opinions. Tell us how bad our opinions were about the movie. Uh, we love to hear stuff like that because uh, we like to argue. Um, there are plenty of ways you can get to us. You can get to us on Apple Podcasts. You can get to us on SoundCloud. We can leave us ratings and also uh, comments. 
Uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can write in with a random question of the week, a buy or sell, or commentary on anything we talked about on this or any other episode of The Comics Pals. Uh, we are The Comics Pals on social media, at The Comics Pals. And, of course, we are on YouTube, where you can like this video, share it with your friends, subscribe to our channel, uh, and definitely leave us a comment. Those shares help a lot. So do those subscribes. They cost nothing, and they help us out a ton. So be sure to go over there and do that. And uh, Ring that fucking notification bell. Hit the bell. Notification. Uh, and also, uh, one last week, we are we are in Philly right now, so we're swamped. Uh, that's not a reference to Swamp Thing. And so... Yes, it is! Yes, it is! No. Uh, <laughs> all right, don't commit murder on camera. Uh, so the Deadpool Cares package is still something that's available. If you guys want to write in, uh, all you have to do to uh, join the giveaway is head over to our YouTube uh, page, watch the Avengers... Infinity War Review, which I believe is episode 79 of our show. Um, leave us a like, subscribe to our channel, share the video, follow us on social media, and leave us a comment about your favorite moment in the movie. That's all you got to do, and you can win 10 graphic novels from the Daniel Way run on the book. So that's a lot of content for little effort. So just jump on board. You might as well. You never know. You might win something cool. Last chance. That's right. And so we're going to hit the plugs, Pete. Cool. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on another episode of The Comics Pals. If you want to get some more content from me, you can catch me and Sean on our weekly video game show, our sister show, The Video Game Pals. Uh, it posts every day or every day. Jesus Christ. God forbid if I had to do that show every day. Every Tuesday, uh, the day after the show is what I meant to say. Uh, on podcast platforms, it posts cut up Monday through Thursday on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Comics Pals. And you can find it in full video version on on Fridays alongside the Comics Pals on that same channel. Go check it out if you're a gamer. It's a great show. We have a great time. Obviously, Sean and I were busy this weekend, so we will not be making this week's episode. Uh, so it should be really fun to watch Andy and Peggy and Thompson run around like chickens with their heads cut off. Um, if you want to get some more from me, we're also going to have the finale of our Riverdale Review Show, the Riverdale Review with me, Marco, and Kale. We're going to be bringing back some of our all-time favorite guests to discuss Riverdale yes. Season 2. We're going to be bringing back Jeremy. We're going to be bringing back Gabby. We're going to be bringing back Olivia. Olivia. It's going to be a great time. Uh, going to fill up the whole Jeremy. booth. Yeah. I said those things. I know. I'm just I'm okay. repeating it. You're just echoing I'm, me. Yeah. Great. I'm He's like a hype man, but bad at it. Um, <laughs> so go check that out if you're a fan of Riverdale. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have a great episode. Uh, fantastic way to send off season two. Um, and then you can catch me on our Let's Play show Monday through Thursday called Pals Play. Uh, you probably will see these guys make an appearance on it this week if everything goes to planned. Uh, yeah, so go check that stuff out. It's a good time. Um, and then if you want to get more content from me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. You can come talk to me about Deadpool 2 or whatever else you want to talk about, really. Marco? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Marco Animoto. It's a, our tentacle gang. Uh, You're fired. Um, Shut up for a minute, Kill. Phil, I'm Kill. Uh, 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 I might be busy getting uh, married this week, but if you want to follow me on uh, 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 Twitter and Instagram, you can talk to me at uh, 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 at T O T O I N T O W. And uh, follow his uh, uh, publishing as Panels well. Panels Publishing. Yeah. Go go read his uh, kaiju book from the deep. You can find it on Panels Publishing, uh, their website. I believe it's 
panels.com or something like that. Google Panels Publishing. Uh, they're Panels Comics with an X on Twitter. You can find his stuff on Comicsology with Letty Wilson. Uh, I believe that's all the stuff. Go read the book. Help Kale pay for his wedding. That's right. And uh, this weekend, of course, we were at Philadelphia Wizard World. Uh, we have a lot of videos coming out on YouTube, a lot of uh, photos and stuff on Instagram. So go check that out. And as for me, you could always follow me at uh, Twitter and Instagram at CyborgBebop. Very good. And uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter and now Instagram as well. Hey! That was louder than the fireworks earlier. My ears are blown out. Uh, I'm also on hey, Instagram. Don't call me quiet underscore Pete. At Sean Soapbox. Uh, I failed in my mission to find a Jean Grey today. So hopefully uh, Sunday. It's my last opportunity. I'm looking for a Jean Grey. So uh, if you know one. Uh, I don't know, man. I, you guys it? don't love her like I do. So uh, with that, we're the Comic Spouse signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye. Did you just kiss Mark on the yeah. nail? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was questionable.